If you think Eddie Lacy and TJ Lang are coming back to the Packers before the NFL draft, I think you may be disappointed. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to Blue 58, the official Packers podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am John Meerdink, your host, joined tonight by our brave rookie reporter, Gary Zillavy. How are we doing, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. It's a great day to be great. We've got a great show ahead, so let's jump right in with some great headlines. All of these headlines can be found at thepowersweep.com. Check them out for more information. We'll just do them here. First one. Sam Shields, now a former member of the Green Bay Packers, he has been released uh, from the Packers. Happened last week. Uh, the seventh-year corners release saves the Packers about $8 million against the 2017 cap. Shields has been with the Packers since uh, the start of the 2010 season, or before the 2010 season, came aboard as an undrafted free agent. Uh, now looks to be looking for some employment elsewhere. So, Gary, do you think Sam Shields is going to play again? I think he's got a better chance to play than Nick Collins did uh, after his neck injury. But I, I do think it's unlikely. I think five concussions as a pro, especially considering after the one against Dallas that ended his season in 2015, that the first game back against Jacksonville in 2016, he gets a concussion. I think he's probably done. If he does get a deal, it's going to be really small. What do you think? Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I think if there's a, a chance that he's going to play again, we'll do the same sort of thing with, with Lang, TJ Lang in just a little bit. If he plays again, I would put the odds at, at below 15%. Uh, it's for sure not going to be a Green Bay. He's not going to come back on sort of a, a reduced contract sort of situation, barring some unforeseen developments. And if he goes someplace else, it's not going to be for a lot of money. I mean, there, as Bob McGinn likes to point out, there were some capable cornerbacks who sat out a lot of football all all of last season, and, and most of them did not have the extensive concussion history uh, that Sam Shields has. So I think we've seen the last of Sam Shields, certainly in Green Bay and, and by and large, I'm guessing, in in the NFL. Uh, what about Eddie Lacy? Uh, I think we've seen some development there of late. Yeah, so, so what was interesting about Lacy this week is a report from uh, the Green Bay Press-Gazette's uh, Pete Doherty said that Lacy's asking price is going to be a little lower than perhaps what we had thought uh, before the offseason began. Uh, so the, the number we're looking at is about one year, $2 million. How does that strike you? And John, what's the most you've ever lost in a coin toss? I've never actually lost anything in a coin toss. I don't think I've ever lost a bet ever just because I've never put one up. So, I mean, there's your little bit of, I guess, no country for old men related trivia. As far as the Eddie Lacy, <laughs> as far as the Eddie Lacy contract, uh, I would take him back at one year for two million. I would take him back probably up to around three and a half. More than that, you're starting to get into the area where he's among those higher paid running backs. The original thought, and I think Michael Cohen from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel said something like this. Uh, the original thought was he was looking to be in the top ten to fifteen running backs in terms of pay. That would put him around 5 to $6 million a year over several years. I don't want Eddie Lacy playing on that kind of contract. He, he couldn't, he wouldn't provide the sort of return that you're looking for, barring an incredible year from Lacey. Uh, I think at, at around $2 million to $3 million, that's about what we would have paid James Starks this year if he'd stuck around. I think that would be a great deal for Lacey. Would you pay him that if it, if it was your money going out the door? 
I, I probably would. I think that's a, a, a fair amount for a, what, what he could provide if he stays healthy. Speaking of getting paid, TJ Lang doesn't know if he's going to be getting paid by the Packers because he hasn't heard from the Packers yet. He had an interview with uh, the Sirius XM NFL channel this week, says he's not heard from the Packers yet. His agent hasn't heard from the Packers yet. And he is planning on heading into free agency and seeing what's out there. Can't blame him for doing that. But Gary, what odds do you put on TJ Lang returning to the Packers? I think it's really low. I think it's 20 to 25%. And I say that because Ted Thompson does not sign veterans to three to, to their third contract. And, and we saw it in 2005, isn't that right? Yeah, uh, it's absolutely right. We, we saw 2005, the, the situation there wasn't that guys were coming up on contracts or new contracts, uh, but guards Marco Rivera and Mike Wall, both released by the Packers uh, heading into the 2005 season, both seem to be in really good shape and uh, as, as far as playing for the Packers for a few years to come. And I was really surprised. I had forgotten that Wall was only 27 years old. He he figured to have several good years ahead of him. Uh, Marco Rivera goes on to sign a, a relatively weighty deal with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but he's never the same again. He doesn't play out that deal. The same with Mike Wall. He goes in, on and signs with the Carolina Panthers, and he ends up uh, making the Pro Bowl his first year in Carolina, but he, he's released two seasons later, didn't play out his deal there either, and he was basically done in the NFL after that, had a cup of coffee with the Seahawks. But uh, if the past is prologue, I think this this shows how Ted Thompson handles his guards, and that doesn't bode well uh, for TJ Lang coming back to the Packers. I'm with you. I would put it at under 30%. Now, is there a chance uh, that you could see him sort of get out, test the market, and then come back to the Packers on, on maybe a lower deal than they're expecting? Absolutely. It kind of strikes me a bit like, uh, remember when Chad Clifton hit free agency at the tail end of his career? And I believe he had a, a, a cup of coffee with the Washington Redskins, uh, maybe was was close to signing a deal there. And and everybody was freaking out that, the, that you know, the Packers aren't going to sign him. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, I think you got to let him go out there, see what's out there. Uh, and, and if anything else, Lane Taylor this year almost hurts TJ Lang in the sense that the Packers gamble of cutting uh, Josh Sitton uh, worked out. I mean, Lane Taylor played well. Yeah. And it gives the Packers a bit of a feather in their cap that if we're going to move on from Lang, well, we moved on from Sitton and it worked. And Taylor wasn't as good as Sitton was. Don't don't confuse what we're saying here. And I don't think you would say that either. I'm kind of putting words in your mouth. But That's fine. It, Stuff them in there. Right. It's great. <laughs> the, the point is he wasn't bad. He wasn't a train wreck like some people thought he was going to be, and, and that proves that you can replace players. I mean, no player is irreplaceable, save for Aaron Rodgers, and if you had to, you would you would try to figure out a way to do that too. So uh, I, I think, like you say, the, the, the Sitton and Taylor situation does not bode well for Lang, but I, I still could see him returning to the Packers. Speaking of that Sitton situation, that's something that happened very early in the Packers season, right before their very first game of the season. And we're going to be back or going back to the very first game of the season for our next segment and something we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. Uh, but first, Gary, I want to talk for a second about our Facebook page. That's something that a lot of our listeners may not uh, be tuning in with. Why should people be checking out what we're doing on Facebook? Well, Facebook has uh, really been our best way to communicate with 
our fans and 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 all of our listeners who are 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 catching Blue Fifty Eight. We've had a, a ton of lively discussion uh, for the past couple of weeks on on our posts. And if if you're just a, a listener to Blue Fifty Eight and haven't checked out the Power Sweep, uh, you'll you'll find our content to be right in line with what you're hearing on the podcast and and uh, get a little bit more inside our brains. So would really encourage you to check out our Facebook page. You can find us at The Power Sweep and uh, get involved. Start commenting. Let us know what you're thinking about uh, the issues of the day for the Packers. Uh, we love uh, laughing with you guys and, and debating and talking talking shop. It's, it's why we do what we do. Absolutely. And if there's something that we haven't covered that you would like to see us take a crack at, don't be afraid to, to post that as well. Uh, some of our best comments and best uh, ideas for articles come from people who see something and wonder why that is. And we look into it for them. And, and if you're thinking of a question, there's a chance that someone else there is thinking out there is thinking of it too. So don't be afraid. Stop by the Facebook page and, and check out the Power Sweep. You can see everything that we're doing there. All right, let's take a bit of a trip down memory lane. Blue 58, hit, hit. So why, why, why should we look at the past? Uh, why should we go back to a season that's already done and look at things that have happened in, in, in this situation almost five to six months ago, back in September? Why should we go through these games again? Well, Gary and I were talking about this today, and we, we've come up with two compelling reasons. I'll give you one. Gary will give you one here. And, and this is, may get a little bit philosophical for a second, but but I think this is important. The first reason is going back through and looking at all these games again is going to help us sort of tease out the story of the season. I believe that every season for every NFL team has its own unique story, and it may not be the one that first comes to mind when you think of the the media coverage surrounding a team. Um, There are reasons that a team is thought of in a certain way, and a reason that a team season turns out the way it does that may not be immediately apparent and going back and looking at each one of those games is a good way of sort of figuring that out Uh, the way that I sort of encapsulate that for myself is thinking about the 2010 season that season was ultimately about Aaron Rodgers going from an above average kind of low level star quarterback into the super duper star that he is considered today Aaron Rodgers kind of grew into that throughout the entire season until it finally kind of exploded in the 2010 divisional round game in Atlanta when he put up that unreal performance and and burned down the Georgia Dome that afternoon. He went on to become the Super Bowl MVP, and since then he's been the Aaron Rodgers that we've come to think of today, the, the sort of MVP caliber quarterback. He became that throughout the 2010 season and shook off some of the stuff that that he had dealt with before. Uh, That is one of the reasons that we can, that's one of the things that would become apparent if you went back and looked at the the sort of game-by-game summary of that season. And that's one thing that we're trying to accomplish. Gary, what would you say reason number two is? So instead of taking a more philosophical look as John did, uh, let's just focus on the the micro here. each of these games, they happen so fast and, and there's really not enough time during the season to reflect back on what happened in them that we forget some of the fun, goofy, random, man, really, moments from those games. Uh, and so by taking a look back, 
it it helps us to frame this season more than just oh yeah the year we lost to Atlanta in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the a, a great reason to look at things. And like you said, there there are things that you forget. There are details that get lost about why things happened the way that they did that you you, you may forget about at the time and uh, only come back when, when you reflect, when you go back and, and see why things happened the way they did. So with that in mind, let's just jump right in and talk about uh, week one in Jacksonville, the first game of the Packers 2016 season. We're going to be covering games one through four this week, and then we'll try to do four or so a week until we get through the entire season. So First game of the season at Jacksonville on the road. No Josh Sitton and the Jaguars. Gary, this is something that that fits right in with what you were saying. The Jaguars were without running back Chris Ivory, who joined Jacksonville on a pretty big free agent deal uh, last offseason. What do we what do we know about this game? Well, this was going to be remembered for two unbelievable touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. The first to Jordy Nelson in the beginning of the game. Nelson's first touchdown since his ACL tear. It's his first score in about 600 days. Unbelievable. Then, right before halftime, the Packers are trailing 17-14, to and Aaron Rodgers appears to be sacked, but somehow the ball comes out of his hand and threads the tiniest of, of needles um, into Devontae Adams' hands for a touchdown that gives the Packers a 21-17 to halftime lead. Now, Jacksonville on offense, you'll remember in the beginning of this year, Jacksonville was thought to be a potential playoff team pushing Andrew Luck in Indianapolis for, uh, you know, for for dominance in the AFC South. And uh, as the Jaguars, you know, offense has kind of had 2,000 yard receivers last year, they're giving the Packers all they can handle. The defense holds strong. And in the the final drive, the Packers are up four points and the Jaguars are driving. Uh, They're inside the Packers red zone. The clock's ticking. It's fourth down and one. There's about 20 seconds left. The Jags have no timeouts. And Blake Bortles on fourth and one throws a swing pass behind the line of scrimmage to Alan Hearns. And wouldn't you know it, Demarius Randall and and a gang of Packers makes the tackle and, the, and they run out the clock, a 27 to 23 victory. With that said, so John, no Josh Sitton. The Packers rush for a, under four yards per carry on the ground, which is a little below average. Green Bay had one play over 30 yards during that game. Had the offense picked up where it left off? No, and there's two two prongs, I guess, to that answer, one good and one bad. Uh, if you remember how the Packers ended their 2015 season, it was wondering what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. And this game certainly didn't put any of those concerns to rest. But on the other hand, a lot of people said coming into this game, and I, I feel like I was of this mindset, that this may be the sort of game that, that gets a little bit ugly, but the Packers should still win anyway. It's an early season game, so you've got some some kinks to work out yet. It's it's on the road, and it's in a situation where you're going to be playing in extreme, extreme heat. All of those things proved to be true in this game, and it seemed like uh, that's the exact sort of game that we ended up seeing from the Packers. It wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. They won on the road, and look at that. We got some great defense uh, from from a, a unit that we thought 
maybe a little bit shaky, especially going up against those 2,000-yard receivers. So then we head back north inside and play Minnesota in week two. Set the stage for us. So we got a close win. Packers squeak by by four. Now they're heading to Sunday night, a primetime game. Minnesota's opening their $1 billion U.S. Bank Stadium. You got Al Michaels in the booth. Minnesota, man, I love it. Their quarterback goes out with an injury, so they got to trade the farm for Sam Bradford. Nobody knows what to expect. Bradford's been inconsistent and injured his whole career with the Rams and the Eagles, and he wasn't uh, up to play in week one. Uh, he hadn't learned the playbook yet as it was a late season, late preseason edition. So Sean Hill starts with the Vikings. Vikings win week one. But Bradford's first start is Sunday night against the Packers. And what a start it turned out to be. I remember two things from this game. It was really boring and frustrating if you're a Packers fan. And secondly, I want to remember wanting to strangle Chris Collinsworth because he just kept going on and on and on about Sam Bradford. Bradford was admittedly very good. Looking back at the stats, he wasn't as great as I remembered him being, but he still finished the day 21 of 31 for 286 yards and two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, the real story, though, for the Vikings, nine catches, 182 yards, one touchdown, just made Demarius Randall look absolutely silly. But still, the Packers were in a position to either tie or win the game twice in the final 10 or so minutes of the game. But the Packers' final two drives end this way. An Aaron Rodgers fumble and an Aaron Rodgers interception. The interception was on the final Packers drive just under, uh, I think just under four minutes to go when he throws that pick. And they never recovered after the interception, obviously. The Vikings run out the clock. But that interception was sort of a microcosm of all the things that people were wondering about Aaron Rodgers. Was there something wrong with him? Was there some sort of miscommunication between him and his receivers? Because the way that he threw that ball, it was a pass to the left side of the field towards Devontae Adams. He didn't step into it, sort of threw it falling back, sort of lobbed it up there, and there was almost no chance that Adams was going to catch the ball. Ends the game for the Packers, and suddenly we're wondering, What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? How worried were you about Rodgers at this point of the season? I was worried because it wasn't a physical problem that at least it seemed like that Rodgers was was struggling with. It seemed to be miscommunication. Um, you know, with with two games under the belt, there was a sequence in the in the tail end of the Jaguars game where the Packers are up four points and they're on the six yard line. And McCarthy runs the ball three straight times. They don't get it in the end zone, and they kick a field goal. And after that, you're just kind of thinking, that's noodling around in the back of your head. They, they squeaked out the win, but you're like, man, that was a that was a bit of an interesting circumstance. And uh, Minnesota sacks Rodgers five times during this game. His passer rating for the year is under eight is 82.9. Things aren't looking good. I mean, I trust Aaron Rodgers, but – Man, it it's it's getting dicey. 
It is getting dicey, but good news is on the horizon. The Packers are heading home, and they're playing the Detroit Lions. Uh, Packers back to Lambeau for their first home game of the season in Week 3. Green Bay 2-3, and three, though, against the, the Lions over their last five and would be 1-4 and four if not for the, the Richard Rodgers Hail Mary at the tail end of the 2014 season. Lions are missing Calvin Johnson, and they'll be missing him forever because he retired in the offseason. But uh, thanks to a rejuvenated Matt Stafford, their offense is humming along. They averaged 6.3 yards per play uh, during their 1-1 one one start to the season. Packers opened this game as 8.5-point favorites. And going through the first half, you're feeling pretty good if you if you take the Packers and the points on that one. If you swallowed the points, you're feeling great at halftime because Aaron Rodgers tosses four touchdown passes and Green Bay leads 31 to 10 at halftime. And when you're when you're sitting there, Detroit's without their top two defensive players, Ziggy Ansa, the defensive end, and linebacker DeAndre Levy. It feels like the Packers can just score at will. Jared Cook's making plays over the middle. Um it, it, it Aaron Rodgers looks like Aaron Rodgers again. So all the fear and, and, and worries you had in your gut about the Packers are, are all better. And it's, it's that good old fashioned Lambo game against the lions that, that cures all ails. But in the second half, the lions start to finish the drives that they couldn't in the first half. And for the second consecutive week, an opposing wide receiver has an absolutely bonkers game marvin jones has six catches for 205 yards and two touchdowns primarily against demarius randall now packers squeak out the win 34 to 27 but what's interesting about this is after we after week three the packers are in their bye week so after three games green bay is at a bye what kind of impact do you think that a bye week in week four had on this team Okay, coach speak time for a second. Um, picture, I'm not going to try to do an impression, but picture how Mike McCarthy talks in your head and him saying, look, our team doesn't look past anybody. We're not worried about the bye week showing up after the game. You got that sort of McCarthy cadence in your head? Now take what he said and disregard it entirely because the last time I checked, he coaches a team of 53 human beings. Of course, if you're up 31-10 at the half, you're starting to think about those bye week plans. What do I got to get out of my locker after the game? What do I need to pick up at my apartment or my house before I get out of town? Because you're thinking the game is over at that point, and it absolutely wasn't for the Packers. I didn't know who Marvin Jones was at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, but by the middle of the afternoon, I sure did, because I was watching him run by Demarius Randall all afternoon. I was very concerned about the Packers' defense after this game because it just didn't look like they were going to be able to stop anybody. But I thought maybe after the bye, uh, they get some things straightened out. Uh, The secondary comes back together, and they take on the Giants, shut down Eli Manning, back at home, and we'll be on our way towards another NFC North title. So they go on that bye, they come back to Lambeau Field, and what happens, Gary? Well... Just like you said, John, you got Stephon Diggs and Marvin Jones that have just had absolutely unbelievable games against the Packers. And now all of a sudden, good luck, Green Bay. You're playing Odell Beckham Jr. Um, And to make matters worse, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because on a national stage the week before during the Packers' bye week, 
Odell Beckham is held to 23 yards receiving, which is a career low for him. Jared Cook's out for this game. He injured his ankle against the Lions, and it didn't heal uh, in time for this game. So he he's out. John, it's another Sunday nighter. How did they do? They did pretty good. It wasn't the sort of game, the sort of offensive explosion that you would have hoped for from the Packers to get everything back on track. But they did what they needed to do. And the player who kind of saved the day for the Packers here uh, was Randall Cobb. He didn't score a touchdown, but he had nine catches for 108 yards. Four of his nine catches were on third down, and he converted all four of those catches into first downs. He would have had a fifth conversion into a first down. Uh, He had a fifth catch that converted a first down for the Packers, but it was called back on a penalty. This ended up being another sort of ugly win game, much like the previous two wins so far this season, sort of highlighted by another uh, rough outing from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He threw two interceptions in the first half, both to Janoris Jenkins. So we're a quarter of the way through the season. The Packers are 3-1, and but reflecting back, Gary, where was your state of mind uh, at the quarter post of the season? I remember watching the Giants game uh, with a with a couple of friends from work and a couple of buddies, and I couldn't pull myself to think about the postseason for the Packers. Rodgers was struggling so much, and it seemed like the wins the Packers had came in spite of their opponents. When they played a team like Minnesota, who after the Giants game, you know they're four and zero, five and zero, undefeated. Detroit's been playing pretty well outside of that beatdown in Lambeau. It's starting to feel a little like, man, we better write this ship pretty fast. Well, that's a really uh, good good point that you bring up there because the, the Packers' fourth game of the season actually came in week five. And as you'll remember from the start of the year, the Vikings began their season 5-0. and So the Packers, after a couple rough lackluster outings in prime time are looking up at the Vikings who are at 5-0. and They've got a quarterback who's clicking. They look like world beaters because their defense is phenomenal. Yeah, and, you, and, and at that point, the media coverage is all about the Vikings. And they're ignoring the Packers. They're not it's, – it's hard to get excited about the Packers just because they've had two, like you said, pretty lackluster primetime games. And as a fan – it's one of those situations where you're almost a little bored by your team. You wait all year for the season to start. The season starts and the games are, eh, they're okay, but they're relatively boring, ugly wins. Well, and what you want as a fan is you don't just want your team to win. You want to feel good about your team. And it's hard to feel good about the the Packers, the way they're playing to this point in the season. It's just not exciting. It's not interesting. They're slogging through games. And the, the Giants game is, is a perfect example. Uh, this should be a celebration if your team is on primetime, especially a primetime game where your team is hosting. But it just wasn't that at all for the Packers. So next week, we will look uh, a little bit deeper into the Packers season, see where they fared over their next four games. Spoiler alert, it's not great. It, it's not. But Gary, while I've got you here, I, I wanted to, to tell you something really interesting that I, that I came across this week. 
Yeah, what's that? <laughs> well, Richard Rodgers, I think the Packers need to get him a little bit more involved, maybe in the running game, not as a blocker. But did you realize that his career yards per carry average is an even 11? Richard oh, Rodgers. Yeah, pretty good. Richard Rodgers, and look this up when you're done listening to the podcast, because Richard Rodgers has one career carry for 11 yards. This is not what you're thinking. When you find the video of this play, which will be attached in the show notes, you are going to be very disappointed. Week one, the 2015 season, Aaron Rodgers is stepping up in the pocket. The Packers had uh, some sort of mass or max protection called, and Richard Rodgers is in uh, blocking. Rodgers starts to run. Uh, notices that there are defenders closing in and happens to look to his right and see, well, who is it? Richard Rogers. Kind of throws a little bit of a check down pass, but since the pass is going backwards, it's technically a lateral. Richard Rogers takes off down the field and has himself an 11-yard gain, not an 11-yard catch. It's an 11-yard run. Richard Rogers, a brilliant open field runner if I've ever seen one. Gary, it, Gary. You just set the record for the most number of times rogers was used in a one minute period it has to be up there there are too many rogers on offense (laughs) richard rogers aaron rogers i guess i think charles rogers is a free agent if i'm not mistaken he he is but that's spelled different i think that's r-o-g-e-r-s still counts counts. is he in jail Uh, right now i don't know i I think he might be i'm afraid to look it up i am a little bit afraid (laughs) to look it up too he was in some bad straits not too long ago gary i think that's about a show for this week yeah let me let me let let me let you guys in on how you can get a hold of us so uh blue 58 is a the official uh, packers podcast of the powersweep.com so you can reach us on the powersweep.com you can also follow us on facebook and twitter you can search at the power sweep on either location and find us there and if you'd care to you can drop us a good old-fashioned electronic email we are the power sweep 1959 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, all of your feedback helps John and I make Blue 58 and everything that we do at the Power Sweep better and helps make all of us better Packer fans. Our better Packer fans indeed are what we all want to be. Check in with us at thepowersweep.com. Sign up for our email newsletter and check us out, like Gary said, on Facebook and Twitter. For Gary Zillavi, I am John Meerdink. We will see you back here next week.